0: Let's just wait a moment before God and remember that, that it is God who gives us life. Where there's life, there's hope. The Bible says that when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we have a hope that does not disappoint. Let's ask you now if, if it's appropriate. Give your disappointments to Jesus and say, Lord, give me hope in this situation. Give me hope in this circumstance. Bring life to this thing that's dead or dying. Because God does not disappoint. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his answers are always yes and amen. Amen. Please be seated. I'll pass you over now to Angela for our scripture reading this morning.
1: And stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, Jesus feeds the 5,000. When Jesus heard what had happened, He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And then on to Philippians. (coughs) And chapter 4. Thanks for their gifts. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Jesus Christ. To our God and Father be glory for ever and ever. Amen.
0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the words that we've just heard. We declare that these are the words of God, not the invention of any man. Lord, I pray that Jesus may send down the Holy Spirit, that we, we may understand what these words say, what these words mean, what they say and mean to us individually and as a church, and how we should respond to what we understand and hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A man went to a, a town he'd never been to before, because he had to go to a place he'd never been to before. Now this was the day before GPS and Google, so he bowled out the railway station flagged down one of the locals and said, how would I get to such and such a place? Local thought and said, "Mm." well, if I was going there, I wouldn't start from here. I don't know whether that's a true story or not, but it it may be that we say, well, my my life's been a bit like that. You know, um, I set off with a a firm plan in mind of where I was going to be in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years or whatever more. And now here I am somewhere totally different. But hopefully you can also say that although this wasn't what I planned, I've known God's provision and guidance every step of the way. Sometimes, you know, it's been a gentle voice. Sometimes it's been a red traffic light. Sometimes it's been a big shove because I've uh, I've gone a little bit astray or a big bit astray. But God has always been there and I've known God's provision and God's guidance. Now, interestingly enough, I'm not here physically every Sunday because... Every other Sunday, I'm out the back with the the Spectrum group, my Spectrum group, uh, doing our work. And we're looking at the story of Joseph at the moment. Joseph is a very interesting story because it looks almost like a heartbeat, his life story. You know, he starts off as the favoured son. He ends up as a slave. He ends up in prison. And then he ends up as the governor of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And at the end of all this, when uh, Joseph has the opportunity to have revenge on his brothers who caused all of this heartache and all this up and down he says no he says no 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 I can't do this because God intended all this for good and hopefully that's our cry as well that God intended all this for good and that whatever happened to us there was a divine provision it's interesting that the young Joseph is not a particularly attractive character he's got a gift from God he sees dreams He lacks the gift of discernment, so that when he tells his dreams to his family, his mum and dad and his brothers, he gets their backs up. So much so that the brothers decide they're going to kill him. Then they decide to show mercy. We say, we won't kill him, we'll just sell him into slavery until everyone is dead. So he ends up having been the favoured son with the lovely coat. He's a slave. And then he ends up in the house of Potiphar. So what does he decide to do? Oh dear, poor me, you know, it's, it's all gone wrong. It's all gone bad. You know, what, what have I done to annoy the God? But no, he doesn't. He decides to make the best of what he's got and use his God-given abilities. And we're told that he becomes important in Potiphar's house, second only to Potiphar himself. Things are going really, really well. And then suddenly, as they say in the movie, sent to prison for a crime he did not commit, he finds himself in, in prison. Oh no, oh dear, oh me, it's all gone wrong. It was going really well. But again, Joseph seems to make the best of the situation. We learn he then becomes number two in the prison, second only to the governor. He then interprets a couple of dreams. Interesting enough, early on he's got the gift of seeing dreams. Can he interpret them or not? I don't know. But anyway, now he can. And one of the persons is so pleased, he says, look, you know, when this, when this comes true, I'm going to, Putting a good word for you, and you want to get out of prison. Guy forgets, he's in prison for another two years. Then, as you know, Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph's remembered. He interprets the dream. and He becomes number two in Egypt. And that's actually quite important, because if you know the full story, Joseph being number two in Egypt and being in charge of drain, grain supply actually means that the Israelites, who were only Jacob's family then, actually escaped the famine. So God had a really, really big plan. Although halfway through the plan, or three quarters through the plan, Joseph and I thought, oh dear, everything's going wrong. Because Joseph had a plan. I'll tell everyone I'm going to be a great man. They'll all bow down and worship me. That didn't work, did it? But God had a better plan. And when Joseph eventually got onto God's plan on God's track, things in a very unusual way came together. And I think we see some of that in the stories we had today. You remember the, uh, the the drama? It was quite a dramatic drama, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, the lady with the two sons, and um, all's going well, you know, two sons, husband, prosperous. Husband dies in a most dramatic and hammy fashion. Suddenly, the creditors descend like vultures. What's she going to do? And then Elisha appears and comes up with a plan. He says, look, all you've got to do, he says, you've got a bit of oil here, go out and... Tell your neighbours, get all their jugs and tell me you're going to fill them full of oil. That's interesting, isn't it? Firstly, God says, what you got? Secondly, he says, I'm going to increase it. And thirdly, an act of faith. Uh, excuse me, you want your spare jugs? Yeah, what do you want the spare jugs for? Well, uh, we believe that God's going to give us a great amount of oil. Really? Well, how's he going to do that then? Well, but don't worry now, the, these jugs are sitting in the shed. My husband refuses to throw anything away. Selfish. Sensible chap, you have them. And as we know, once she gets onto God's plan, they have oil to pay off their debts and to see them through. And so they take what they've got, they step into God's solution, no matter how bonkers it seems, and their problem is solved. We had a similar story in our first Bible reading the widow of Zerapath. Some of them have a similar story, even the prophet sounds similar. We've now got Elijah coming in and if you remember he sends her to this widow and the widow has a plan he has has a plan to cope with the the drought and the plan is they're gonna make a meal out of what they got left and they're all gonna starve to death not the best plan but you know the best that they have but Elisha says no no he says um Elisha says no no he says firstly give part of what you've got to me so I can have a meal. What? Well we have hardly we've hardly got anything. We don't really want to be giving it away to other people. But they do that and then he promises, he says, Look, this oil is never gonna run out and this is never gonna run out until the drought runs out. And that's right. Unlike the first widow where they had a, a cellar full of bottles of oil, this was a day to day faith. One can imagine you know, day one, oh that was a good meal. I hope there'll be some there tomorrow. Phew, day two, the oil and flour's still there, Mum. Day 16, oh, it still seems to be working. Day 38, you know, I I know it's going to be there. I know it's going to be there. Faith grows as God unfolds his miracle. Similar thing that the the Israelites in the desert, you know, the manna was there every day. You can only take enough one day, it went mouldy, except on Saturday. Sorry, Friday wouldn't have been, so they had enough to see them through the Sabbath. Sometimes we need faith exercised every day to see God's provision. And then into the New Testament, the feeding of the 5,000. There's also a feeding of the 4,000. Don't let anyone tell you that it's the same miracle. It's not. It's quite clear. It's two different miracles. And the same. The disciples said to Jesus, these people are getting, he said, there's not people cheering. That's their tummies rumbling, you can hear. They're they're, they're starving. They're going to, the crowds are going to turn nasty. He said, well, what have you got? said, so, well, you know, we got, we got a few fish and a few loaves. It's not don't do much. It's 5,000 blokes plus their families. He said, well, let's just, let's just break up what we've got. Let's give what we've got to God and see what happens. And they gave what they gave to God. And as you know, not only did they feed everybody, there were baskets of the stuff left over. Again, it's a bonkers plan. It's a bonkers plan. You know, if, if I said I'm having a, a party for my birthday, do come to church, church next Saturday. You will pile in. He said, well, we've got, we got a tin of sardines, and two Obviously, you said, oh, well, you probably think, oh, it's co-op open, you know, it's co-op open. But, you know, but God will supply all of our needs from his riches in Christ Jesus. He will take the small things that we've got, and if we dedicate them to God's plan, something very, very big is going to happen. Also, to go to our last uh, scripture where Paul was commending the Philippians for their faith and their generosity. Sometimes God uses us as the solution to someone else's problem. It may be you're a prophet, so you can be an Elijah or an Elisha to somebody. It may be you have the gift of helps, which um, Carol Anderson was sharing with us last week, or administration. Um, Some of you may remember um, a guy called Ray Monument, who was an elder at this church many, many years ago. Um, I can't remember what happened, but his car was off the road. And, he, you know, he did, it was off the road for quite a while. And he turned up the next day in a, in another car. And his work colleague said, um, oh, we've got a new car. He says, oh, no, a, a friend gave it to me. I said, what? He said, oh, a friend in the church gave it to me. Oh, for how long? He says, well, keep it for as, as long as you need, and then I'll have it back again. They just couldn't believe it. A, a friend gave, gave you his car. But yeah, yeah he, he did. That's the sort of thing that Christians do. And sometimes, you know, you can be a solution to someone else's problem, and it can be a witness to others. It's interesting that this combination of what you've got, and what God gives you, we see all the way through Scripture. You remember Moses at the burning bush? Oh, well done, Good. See, he decided to listen to the message rather than, than to do his picture. Yeah, you remember he goes to the burning bush. God says, you're going to do this and do that and do that. And he says, oh, don't let like the sound of this. He says to him, what have you got in your hand? And He's got a shepherd's crook. Interesting, because he's going to be a shepherd of the people. Remember, Rosie throws him and it turns into a snake. He said, what have you got in your hand? He says, yeah, well, I've got a, another problem here, he says. Because he says, I'm, I'm not very eloquent other than in making excuses. He says, but don't worry. He said, your brother Aaron's on the way. He'll, he'll do the talking. You do the miracles. So we've got all three there. We've got what's in your hand. We've got the staff. We've got God's provision. And we've got support from other people. It goes all the way through the Bible. It comes up over and over again. There are also some modern stories about this. It's interesting, isn't it, how how God works. I was on the uh, internet last night, and and, um, I saw a headline of a story that said, God speaks through the headlines today. And I thought, that sounds interesting. And I wasn't going to go to bed for about an hour. I thought, yeah, 50 minutes. I've just got time to watch it. And I think it was a guy called Troy Brewer. I think that was his name. I didn't know him from Adam. Well, I knew him from Adam. He had some clothes on. But, you know, I'd never come across this guy. But he's a prophet. And I have a prophetic ministry, to have an interest. So I thought, oh, yeah, this, this could be quite interesting. And he told this, this really quite amazing story. This Christian was given a gift. And this gift was worth huge amount of money. It was worth probably in our, in our parlance, day, thousands, possibly more than that, tens of thousands of pounds worth of value. It was so highly sought of that all the well-off and, fun- and influential people were trying to get into this gift. It was a gift from a friend, so it hadn't actually outlaid all this money. It was a gift from someone else. But um, God said to him, you must not take up this gift. So he Tens of thousands of pounds. It's like you couldn't afford yourself. Everybody who's ever wants to get in on this. It's been given by a friend generously. But God says, don't do it. He said, all right. He says, I won't do it. So because of that, he gave back the ticket and didn't get on the Titanic. There's more. This guy's name was John G. Lake. This may ring a bell to you because John G. Lake went on to be one of the founders of modern Evangelism in America, his influenced, Bill Johnson and others. If he decided, oh, well, it'd be too embarrassing not to, to take up this gift given to me by the church treasurer. It would be, know, be, you know, everyone's doing it, everyone's doing it. This, this is just the thing for me. Oh, I could be someone really, someone rubbing shoulder with the rich and famous. He would be at the bottom of the sea. Instead, he, he became an evangelist. He, he formed part of the American Pentecostal movement. So these things do happen today. A bit closer to home. I don't have a, a good Christian background in my family. Uh, but the, the one Christian I know we had was my maternal grandmother. And she was a Christian. She's now with the Lord. And she told a story that in the First World War, sorry, Second World War, um, she was going to bed one night and she said to her husband, I don't think we should sleep upstairs tonight. We should sleep downstairs. And he said, oh, all right, okay, fine. So they sat downstairs in the, in the lounge on the sofa. And uh, that night, a bug went off just down the road. They come up next day. Their bed was covered in broken glass. The only casualty was the goldfish. Apparently, uh, the goldfish's fin got cut off with a bit of flying gra- gra- grass, but glass. But good news, the goldfish survived the war as well. My grandmother lived to be about 96, so, um, and who knows, perhaps because of our prayers, I'm here today. But, you know, if she said, oh, I'm being a bit of a silly woman here, you know, why shouldn't we sleep in our own bed tonight? God says, well, you know, it could be a painful experience. So you might say, well, well, Dave, this has been entertaining, or all this has been. But, you know, what has all this got to do with us think i'd say a couple things firstly what is your big problem i don't mean what's your problem mate i mean what is your big problem what is it that keeps you awake at night what is it when you're staring into spaces going through your mind and are you trusting god to give you a solution and if you're trusting god to give you a solution are we going to say look i don't care how bonkers that solution is if it you know, involves getting jugs from if from if neighbors or give him some of the food I got away to a stranger or an act of kindness are you going to trust God to provide because God is in the divine provision business secondly where are we as a church we've just had a weekend as you know last weekend with Caroline Anderson where we were seeking God's direction and I'm hoping that God spoke to many of us here as to what God wants us to do what God's plan is you know and I'm hoping that we'll embrace it, no matter how strange it may seem. It may not seem what our plan is, you know. Oh no, no! As a church, we're happy to to do this. And God says, "Yeah, there, there's a name for that. That's called getting on the Titanic." You know, God, God may have a totally different plan for us, which may be totally different. And most of you who are on the internet will know that Karen yeah. Jeffrey sent an email during the week and said, "If you feel God has spoken to you during the during the weekend, please." Pass it over to the elders so we can consider it along with everything else. Don't worry if it seems bonkers or it seems really strange because it is a word from the Lord, we'll have 17 bonkers words that match each other. But let's be a people of faith and say, look, my God will supply all that I need from his poverty. No. he's got line around the house. No, from his short-chain. No, from his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Finally, well it's all good to have a close, close with a bit of a laugh. This message has lit, literally been lit, written on the back of an envelope. I didn't throw it together this morning. I've been working on it for a week. But what I tend to do is pray and pray and pray and pray. And, pray, and then whoosh, that's what the message is. So I hope this message written on the back of the envelope is helpful to you. But let's us individually and uh, corporately open the envelope and see what God's got inside for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us a double portion, pressed down and overflowing. You are bigger than all of our problems, that you own the cattle on a thousand hills, and you are generous to a fault. Help us, Lord, to be wise in the decisions that we make. May we make not just good decisions, but God decisions. Now, that at times when it seems to, that logic's flied out the window, Let's cling on to the word of God and say, God has spoken, I believe it, that settles it. Because who knows, a blessing and a miracle could be just around the corner. Help us, Lord, as a church to determine what you're saying to us, individually and corporately. And Lord, we just thank you in advance for what you've done, what you're doing and what is to come. We know, Lord, it is beyond what we can believe or imagine or even contemplate. Because God is good. And as Steve Chalk once said, God isn't messing around. God is in the redemption business, the construction business, the revelation business, and the rescue business. Amen.